The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, hey, uh, this morning we're going to start a new series uh, called Greater, uh, because just simply I believe that God wants uh, to show himself greater, not only in us and through us, but in our church and in the world. And so uh, if you have a a Bible, uh, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. If you'd like to follow along with us, uh, go ahead and put those uh, in Genesis 12. So Genesis is going to be the first book of the Bible, and the big number is going to be the chapter number, and so turn until you get to number 12. Last week, uh, I had a privilege of doing a wedding ceremony of a couple that actually met here uh, at Life Point Church. And actually, they met uh, at a foundations class in my home uh, on, my, on my couch. And uh, I remember that uh, as, as recently, after the couple met, uh, Stephen had called me. At, uh, that was the groom's name, by the way, Stephen. Uh, he called me and he said, Eric, uh, I want to meet up because I think I want to have the talk. Okay, so uh, he, he calls me, we get together for lunch, and we sit down, and he starts telling me how uh, amazing Kate is, and, and how he's kind of got to know her over the last couple of weeks, and he says, he says I think it's time that I have the talk. Do you know, you know what the talk is? It, it's, it's that define the relationship talk. Right, and so and so he wants to he wants to begin to define his relationship, and so this talk it actually takes place at some point in every romantic relationship, so that you can define exactly where this thing is going. You want to know where this thing stands and and where we're going, and if well what we have is real. And listen, the talk can be awkward. Anyone ever have that talk? Right? I remember it, it could be awkward, it could be uncomfortable, but listen to me, because every healthy relationship comes to a point where you have to have the talk, the let's define the relationship. Is it, is it committed? Is it, is it casual? Has it, has it moved past that? Is it just simply uh, infatuation or admiration? Or, or is it go to devotion and dedication? And so here's the deal is they had the talk, and long story short, last week they got married. So they obviously defined the relationship. They knew where it was going, and they put a ring on it. All right? So I remember reading in Kyle Eidelman's book uh, entitled Not a Fan, he paints this picture of going into a coffee shop. Imagine, imagine you're going into a coffee shop, and you... You go up to the barista, and you order your coffee, whether that's a blonde roast or Americano or the $16 uh, caramel macchiato. I don't know. You, you, you grab your coffee, and you find a place, a, a nice table or a, a little chair, leather chair, and you find a place, and you go and sit down, and you start uh, sipping your unicorn frappuccino. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden... Jesus walks in and, and he makes eye contact with you and, and he comes over and he begins to sit down at your table and you recognize that it's Jesus because he has this blue sash and flowing blonde hair. <laughs> You're kind of stunned. You don't really know what to say. I mean, the whole thing's a little awkward. So you ask him to turn your coffee into wine. That'd be a good trick. He just kind of stares at you. 
But, but then, before he can make things even more awkward, he leans in, and he looks you right in the eye, and he says, it's time to have the talk. He says, it's time to define the relationship. Now, I understand if some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And, and let, let me just say, I am so glad you're here. It is our hope at LifePoint Church that today you would start your relationship with Jesus. That maybe through praying a prayer for the first time, maybe it's asking him to forgive you. Maybe it's asking him to make you a new creation in him. Maybe it's time today that you would ask him to lead your life to become your Lord and your Savior. And so maybe you just need to start by asking Jesus to take control of your life and start that relationship. That's our hope here at this church. But when you think about your relationship with Jesus, if you were to have the talk, what would you say? What is your relationship with Jesus like? Is it, is it non-existent? Is it just simply admiration? I mean, if Jesus was sitting next to you, looking you in the face, saying, hey, it's time for us to define the relationship, what would you say? Would it just be admiration? Would you just simply say, oh, Jesus, man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm such a fan. Would you say, oh, I love that time that you were walking on the water. That was awesome. Right? Or, or, or I, really, I really admire the time that you were sleeping in a boat and you woke up and you calmed the storm and all the disciples freaked out. That was cool. Or, or, or what about the time that you fed those 5,000 people or raising Lazarus to life? That was awesome. I am a huge fan of that. Or I love it. I love it when you put the Pharisees in their place. Is your relationship with Jesus just simply admiration? Or is it a casual weekend thing? Or does it move past that? What exactly is your devotion to Jesus? When I say devotion, many people are get confused because we don't really understand what that word is. Because so many people are just simply devoted to everything, which means they're devoted to nothing. And, and we confuse devotion with knowledge, and we think somehow that my knowledge of Jesus actually equates my relationship or my intimacy with Jesus? Or, or we just simply say, assume that my good intentions make up for my lack of obedience when it comes to following him? Now hear me, because no matter where you are, in your relationship with Jesus, you have to have the talk. At some point, you're going to have to define the relationship. My passion for LifePoint Church, I have a huge passion for the unreached and the unchurched. I, I really have a desire to, to do whatever it takes to, to reach them, to invite them into having a relationship with Jesus, to know God and to love God. And, and, and since we've started, I've, I've asked you, I've asked many of you to commit to doing whatever it takes in order to reach those who are far from God. I've asked you to do whatever it takes to commit your lives to helping people find a deeper, more authentic relationship with Jesus. And since that day... Since the day we've started this church, I've asked you to commit to maybe taking your comforts and putting them in the back seat. 
or taking your preferences and putting him in the back seat. And, and I've called some of you to commit to his greater kingdom above and beyond your own personal one. And you're still here. And so hopefully God is doing that. Through this series, I know that God wants to change us. He wants to, he wants to use us in greater ways. Not only you as an individual, but, but us as a church. That God wants to grow us into greater avenues and greater hope and greater purposes so that other people can come to know God. So through this series, what I want to do is I want to spend some time looking at the life of a man in the Bible named Abram or Abraham. And, and because, because I believe God desires for us to step into a greater plan, we can get a picture of Abraham and, and see that God's purpose for his life and the blessings that, that God offers to him personally and how God wants to use the blessing in his life to actually expand and increase and multiply through the whole world. I love the story of Abraham. Anybody else? I, I love it because, because listen, it, it's not like life happened to Abraham. Like he happened to life. He, he actually had to, had to actually do some things. He didn't just simply go with the flow. He had to stand up against family. He had to stand up against society. He had to go against the culture because God was actually calling him to greater things. He actually redefined the future. And, and so Abraham was a man who ultimately invested his life for God. And it gives us a picture of what God wants to do inside each one of us. You know, Abraham, it's kind of funny how uh, the first three-fourths of his life started. You know, uh, Abram actually means father, but when we look at him in the story, he's 75 years old and he doesn't have any kids. It's like some joke. Did you know uh, uh, the, the name Abraham is father of many, yet still no kids? Right? It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like God is mocking him. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you know that God wants something great for your life, but you kind of look around and you feel like life is kind of mocking you? Like, have you ever looked yourself in the, in the heaven and just been like, God, is this some kind of joke? What is this? And so he's 75 years old. He's called father, father of many, and he doesn't have any kids. But, but hear me. He knew that God had a great purpose for his life, and God had destined your life for an eternal significance. But honestly, many of you, you look around, and you just don't see it happening, and you're like, is this some kind of joke? Does he really, does Eric really mean me? Because I look around, and I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not that girl. No, he does. He does mean you. Abraham is going to have to walk a path toward God's plan for greatness. And, and listen, it is the same path that you and I are going to have to walk. And listen, it is a walk of faith and not of sight. But God desires greatness. And so many people I talk to, they're just tired of sitting around. They want their lives to count for eternity. I mean, who wants to get to the end of their life accounting for nothing but paying bills? Nobody wants that. And so you feel the pull of God saying, I've got a great, great plan for you, and God is wanting to call you out of the mundane into a greater life. And so let's take a look at the text so that we can get an understanding of what God is doing here. If you look in Genesis chapter 11, you'll see uh, this thing called the Tower of Babel. And what this is, 
is these people, they were building this tower, this, this monstrosity to the sky, right? And so they were saying, hey, look at us. Look at how great we are. Look at how strong we are. Look at all my resources. Look at how powerful I am. I'm building this thing. And so they're actually building this thing to show themselves like God. We can get our own way to heaven. And so these people in the Tower of Babel, it's a symbol of humanity's rejection of God, it is, it is a place of idolatry. It is a people who are desiring to live life independent from God, apart from God. God, I can do this. God, I can build this. God, I can take care of this. Look at how awesome I can do things. And generation after generation after generation is falling away from God. But there's one who is faithful, and his name is Abram. Look in chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now... The Lord said to Abraham, it's like God came, tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, I want to tell you something. And my prayer is that today God will tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I want to tell you something. Listen to what he says. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, that's family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He doesn't even tell him where he's going. Now that's huge, right? Because some of you type A people won't step out of your garage unless you had a plan. And here he's like, I'm going to show you where you're about to go, but I want you to go. And he says, he says, I'm going to show you where I want you to go, but I want you to leave. Verse 2, and I will make you a great great, great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a what? A blessing. I'm going to call you out of this so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in whom who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be what? Bless. So through you, I'm going to bless the entire world. So in the midst of a people, who want everything but God. Does that sound familiar to anyone? In a world of people who want everything but God, God calls one man and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to, through you, bring people that will worship me and follow me. And through you, I'm going to actually bless the whole earth with a relationship with God. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. Now, here's the good news for us today, because this promise that was given to Abraham is actually inherited in you and me through faith in Jesus. We have the same promise. You see, Abraham's descendants was Jesus. In the very first first verses of Matthew, it says, Abraham and Jesus. It breaks down that lineage to show that Jesus was part of Abraham. And through Jesus, God offers salvation to the whole world. Through Jesus, God offers salvation to everyone who would believe. Do you know that there is no other name under heaven which men can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ? And so through 
faith in Jesus, you and I inherit a promise of God to say that now through you I'm going to bless the whole world because your job now here today, those of you who are in Christ, are now commissioned to bless the world. You're now commissioned to take the good news of Jesus to every tribe, every tongue, every language, every people group, and every family that the world has ever known so that they too can experience the blessing of God, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. And so you and I are here commissioned for greater things. Do you realize that when Jesus gives the great commission to go and make disciples in Matthew 28, it is a direct extension of the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12? It's just an extension of that. God says, I'm going I'm to touch the whole world through you. And Jesus shows up. He saves the world by dying on a cross, raising to life. And he says, now you go and make disciples. And through you, I'm going to bless the whole world with salvation. They're directly connected. And so the question that you and I have got to ask ourselves is we have to ask ourselves, am I really following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus. Let me ask you, who's really in charge of your life? Really, really, really who's in charge of your life? Is it you or is it God? Does Jesus ultimately have your life? I mean, imagine you're sitting at the poker table of life. Are you all in with Jesus? Or are you taking a few chips and putting them in your pocket just in case? Are you taking a few chips off the top and saying, okay, I'll go all in except for these few chips. I'm going to hold on to these in case this doesn't work out. Do you really believe that Jesus plus nothing equals everything? Are you all in? Have you given Jesus your every single yes in life? Have you put your yes on the table when it comes to following the Lord? Jesus really calls us to one ministry. He says, come and follow me. Isn't it amazing? He doesn't call us to admire him. He's got crowds of admirers. Applauders. But he calls us to follow him. Jesus' invitation is always to follow me. He actually says, for whoever keeps his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so many say, yeah, I follow Jesus, but really, really nothing really changes in your life. You come to Christ, you you pray a prayer, and, and your dreams don't change, your ambitions don't change, your purpose for life doesn't change. Many people want to keep living the same life that they've always been living, doing the same things that they've always been doing, chasing the same dreams that the world chases of those who don't even know Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Does your five-year plan look different than your unsaved neighbor's five-year plan that's not following Jesus? Jesus says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many will find it. But narrow is the path of life. Will you come and follow me? How do your passions and your desires look any different than those who don't have a relationship with God. And don't say, don't say, oh, I go to church. Because you know what the world thinks? They're like, your ambitions are the same as mine. 
Your plans in life are the same as mine. You're racing the same race that I'm racing. You just have this hobby called church, and I think it's sad. So listen, how, how are we to live a greater life if we're not willing to put every yes on the table when it comes to Jesus? Jesus says, I'm going to lose my life so that others will live. John the Baptist, he says, I will decrease so that God can increase, which is upside down when it comes to the world because the world tells us to get, 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 and Jesus says, just give it all, your whole life. What is this life? But a mist and a vapor here for a moment and then vanishes. I want to bless the world through you. Don't you see that by completely following Jesus, Jesus offers us a greater life and a greater purpose and a greater hope than anything that the world could ever offer? So, so the question is, why is it so important? Why is it so important that we have to have the talk? Why is it so important that we define our relationship? Well, because like Abraham, God wants to use you for something greater, and you yourself is going to have to decide to follow. Listen, not your brother, not your sister, not your mama and daddy. You yourselves are going to have to decide, am I following Jesus? Because you could be sitting right next to someone who's put their every yes on the table, but when it comes down to it, the question is, have you? You're going to have to decide. Me, myself, am I all in for Jesus? Look at, look at something super radical. Look in uh, Genesis 11, just the very last uh, couple verses there. 11.31. It says, Terah took Abram his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And so they start off on this path toward Canaan, but about halfway they come to this town and they're like, let's just take up camp here. Let's just stop right here. And, and so what's happening is that Abram's whole family is leaving to go to Canaan, but then they stop halfway. And God, in chapter 12, comes to Abram and says, keep going. Uh, don't stop. Keep going. And, and here's the deal. I could just see Abram now. He's like, but, 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 but the whole family's here. My, 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 my kindred, my kinfolk are here. Oh, like everyone I know is here. My safety is here. My comfort is here. This is convenient. This is nice and relaxing here. God says, no. Well, you, you, do I have your life? Because I want you to go. And sometimes you're going to have to decide for yourself. God calls Abraham to leave what is comfortable and God will, at times, call you to leave what is comfortable. God calls Abraham to leave what is safe. And there's times in your life to live a greater life, you're going to have to sacrifice what you think is safe. What you believe is most convenient. And we live in a world where we make excuses, but this is safe, God. This is good, God. You don't want to call me out there. That's, that's, that's dark out there. I, I'm scared. Listen, God wants to live you allow you to live a greater life. 
And he wants to use you, and he's going to call you away from things that are familiar. And he's going to say things like, follow me. Take my hand. Let's go. In those days, family connections and land, it was everything. It was everything. Let me ask you, LifePoint Church, are you willing to put every yes on the table? Are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to follow Jesus wholeheartedly without any reserve? Because God is calling some of you today outside of your comfort zones, outside of what's familiar, because God wants to bless you with a greater life. God wants to call you into something eternal. Listen, you're going to have to make your own decision to follow Jesus. Hear me, it is not enough to be a part of a Christian family. It's not enough to have friends that are Christians. It's not enough to just simply come in and celebrate what God is doing here. Because we get excited about that. Listen, God has done and is doing some amazing things through this church, is he not? I mean, God is doing some, some radical things. And many of you, you're really excited about what God is doing through LifePoint. And everyone is really excited to come in and sing and to celebrate. And, and we watch one of John's videos, which are amazing, by the way, John. We like and we share that mug and we're like, oh, this was so awesome. And we hear testimony about Jesus changing someone's life. And we say, woo, I love to hear stories of people coming to Joe Jesus. It was amazing. Fifth Saturday, that was amazing. Kids coming to know Jesus, that's amazing. Lives changed for Jesus, that's amazing. Marriages reconciled back to God, that's amazing. Hope found in Jesus, that's amazing. Mexico missions, Oh, man, that is amazing. Church planting, discipleship, growing in Christ, that's amazing. I love to hear the stories of what God is doing through this church. And we say, oh, man, isn't this exciting? I sure hope that those people who are doing what they're doing continue doing what they're doing so we can keep those stories coming. Because I love to hear those stories. And you know what? God doesn't simply call us to celebrate what he's doing. He calls us to be a part of what he's doing. And God rather calls us to live a greater life and greater desires. The greatest life we can give is a life that is fully surrendered to following him. So let me ask you, I mean, if you were to have the talk, what are you holding on to that you're not willing to let go of? What are those few chips in your hand that you're saying, God, you can have all this, but, but don't touch this? What is that thing that you need to put on the table? You see, becoming a Christ follower means viewing everything in your life as a gift from God and for God. Everything, even what's in your hand. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Paul's writing this church in the Bible, and and he says this. He says, He, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing, 
the harvest of your righteousness, which means God, God is not only the one who supplies your food, but God is also the one who supplies the seed. And he supplies the seed so that it would multiply for a greater purpose. And the greater purpose is that he gives you the seed is for sowing and increasing. That's why he's giving you the seed. See, listen, following Jesus means reshaping your life. It means reshaping the way you think about everything you've given. Listen, there are two ways to look at everything you've been given. Listen, there are two things you can do with seed. You could say, God, you've not given me enough. I need more. God, what you've given me, it's not enough seed. I need more. I need more money. I need more time. I need more knowledge. In order for me to do what you've called me to do, you've not given me enough. I need more. I need more time. I need more money. I need more knowledge. I need more training. I can't go out there on train. I don't know how to. Uh, so we just need more. And so what you do with the seed that God has given you is you can grind it up and eat it. Or you can sow it. And you can watch God increase it couple verses right before he says whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully and so i believe the same way that he's called abraham he's called you and me to trust him with all of it and to follow him in order to reach and impact the world for his glory and his namesake to bring the good news of salvation through jesus christ listen jesus wasn't concerned with the standard of living He was concerned with abundant life giving. And that can be summed up when he says, take up your cross and follow me. What are you unwilling to let go? Is it time? Is it your time? Some of you say, yeah, you know what? I give financially, but I I don't have any time. I would love to serve. I'd love to pour into people. I'd love to be around, but I don't have any time. Others of you, you serve and you give your volunteer time and you work and you work, but financially, we don't invest because we're holding on to something. Did did you know that your first seeds that were given to you by God for sowing are, are given to you for investing? Your first seeds. Your first seeds were given to you so that you would be a blessing. Let me ask you a question. What happens When you take the seed that God gives you for sowing and investing and you eat it, what happens? You run out of seed. You run out of food. You run out of time. You run out of money. And many people in the church, they sit there and say, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. You know why? Because the time that was given to me to sow, I ate it. I used it for me. The money that was given to me to sow, you know what I did with it? I ate it. I didn't sow it. So it's not multiplying, not doing nothing. And you know what happens when you eat the seed that's given to you to increase? You run out and you got nothing left. So God, 
He calls us to surrender. Everything that's been given to us by God is for God. He says the first seeds, just, just sow it. And so listen to me, throughout this entire series, we will see how God calls Abraham to surrender in many times, in many different ways. But today, I pray that we would begin by knowing that if you are going to live a greater life for God, first thing you're going to have to do is define the relationship. And I pray that you would fully surrender everything to following him. And so why would we not start today? Right where you're at, I want you to just simply close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to get into a place where you can just just be still before God. Many people want to ask the question, God, where are you sending me? God, where do you want me to go? But today I want the first question that we ask is, God, where do you want me to surrender? So right now I want you to, in, in, in your, in your, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to, to, to take your hand and, and make a fist with it and just kind of hold it out in front of you, right where you are. Just, just make a fist with your hand and hold it out. Maybe cheesy for some of you, but I, I know that God wants to use this. And I want you to hear the voice of the Lord right now asking you, what's in your hand? What have you clenched your fist so tightly around? that I don't have, that you've not given to me? What's your fear of letting go of that? And today, let us just simply in this moment have the talk and that we would see that Jesus is sitting before us with open arms and as we open our hands to him, that we surrender whatever it is we're keeping back, that he would truly embrace us with his love, that we would truly be embraced with his grace, that we would truly run to the arms of a loving father who picks us up, who lifts us up and says, come on then. Follow me today. Spend a moment searching your heart, asking God, what is in my hands that I need to open up and let go? Right where you are, right now today, will you surrender to him? Will you put your every yes on the table? I will pray. For that. Jesus, we want to be a church, we want to be a people that lives with open hands. A church that truly believes that, that you are everything. 
that you give everything. And so here we are today as your sons and daughters. Will you through your spirit open our hands and open our hearts so that we could truly see you as most glorious and most beautiful so that we would truly open us up to complete surrender for you and through you and in you. We want to see you greater than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.